Hello again. Welcome to the Content Strategy Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Halverson. This podcast is brought to you by contentstrategy.com and Brain Traffic, a content strategy consultancy. Find out more about Brain Traffic at braintraffic.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me once again on the Content Strategy Podcast. Today, I have two, a twofer, two people here uh, on the podcast to speak to. And I would like to introduce you virtually to Mike Petroff and Aaron Baker. I'm going to read a little bit about them. Mike is a senior product manager at Harvard Business Publishing, where he manages the ongoing development of the higher education website used by a global audience of business students and educators. He defines the roadmap to advance customer acquisition, search and discovery, and user engagement. No pressure, Mike. Aaron is the Associate Director of Content Strategy for Harvard University Public Affairs and Communications, where he is dedicated to measuring the impact of digital communications. He also serves as a data evangelist, helping writers, editors, and content distributors get a sense of how content engagement metrics can inform their work. Mike and Aaron, welcome. Thank you so much. Happy to be Hello. here. Hello. Um, Mike and Aaron, you guys came and spoke at Confab this year in May, and you were two of our most highly rated speakers. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank uh, you. And, I, and it's not just because you're awesome, but it is also because your topic was amazing. And I was super excited to have you guys come and speak uh, because you talked about the development of what you called a dynamic editorial analytics dashboard and data warehouse called Scoop. So tell me a little bit about what this is. You, you were, well, first of all, you're working, in fact, you know what, I'm going to back up for just a second uh, because I really want to actually hear about how both of you came to your current roles in terms of like working with and understanding the role of content within marketing and the user experience. Mike, do you want to start? Tell me Absolutely. how you got here. Yeah, sure. So um, I've been at Harvard for about seven years, but I've been in higher education for well over a decade now. Um, but my background is actually in documentary film production. Imagine that. that uh, that's where I went to college for. Um, I loved creating nonfiction content, if you think of it that way. Uh, so that kind of led me into a world of higher education, uh, doing a lot of storytelling, trying to figure out how to best lead people to where they actually wanted to find Uh, things on our websites uh, through marketing channels and other means. So that's kind of my background into content strategy, sort of that merger between storytelling and emotion and also um, giving people what they want when they want it. You know, I am continually amazed, and I say this almost every single episode, (laughs) when people are talking about their journey to content strategy, they kind of say what they majored in or where they started out. And they're always just like, if you can believe that, or if you can imagine that, and I'm just like, welcome to the world of content strategy where we're all kind of like still figuring out this job that did not exist when we were in college. All misfit so, toys. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Aaron, tell me about you. So um, also a higher ed um, veteran, I guess. So I've been in higher ed for 16 years now and Harvard for the last four, primarily on websites, website redesigns. And it was a website redesign we were working on in 2005. And we had just sort of formed this motley crew of a a web team from different silos across the university. And at that time, I think we were 
um, all reading your book, actually. And we were like, we need this role called content strategy. And then so throughout my time, at, that was at UALR. And then I sort of moved into analytics sort of broadly. And then uh, Mike hired me at Harvard. And we started working together on an analytics dashboard just for the news office, the Harvard Gazette. And that's sort of how uh, I came to content strategy. I'm in the content strategy team now. And we've just been working together on, on refining what uh, metrics matter to content creators. Okay. I'm so excited to dig into this because that is exactly what, that what metrics matter, not only to content creators, of course, but to our organization's bottom line and to understanding whether or not our users are truly being satisfied or engaged or having their needs met by this content. And what, tell me about, so this first analytics dashboard that you both sat down and you're like, okay, we have a set of challenges or questions or problems and we need to develop some kind of product that will help us address those questions. Can you tell me a little bit about how you backed into We Need This Dashboard? I can speak to part of this and then I'm going to ask Mike to fill in the gaps. Uh, For me, it was a matter of like working smarter and not harder. So as a, a newbie analyst on this team, I was doing a lot of manual reporting, a lot of logging in, copying numbers, pasting them to a spreadsheet, sending out an email. And it was sort of mind numbing and it wasn't it didn't give me any time for what would be, you know, more helpful analysis. It was just sort of number crunching. So I started running, building these scripts to sort of automate some of these workflows. You know, what's the open rate for today's email? You know, how many clicks went through to this story? How many page views did this story get? And so I sort of approached that and said, Mike, I'm, I want to work on this on a level of where I can sort of automate it so I can make my day go by faster. And then Mike being sort of in the product mindset, I think, started to think, whoa, if you're doing all of this work, let's just take it one step further and actually publish it to the people who need to see it. Yeah. And then I I think from my perspective, uh, where I was working very closely on a strategic side with the entire communications office, but that included media relations and the Harvard News team and folks running uh, Harvard.edu and the social teams. Generally, there was this fear that measurement meant that we were going to essentially grade them on performance, or there's this idea of page use kind of being a touchy metric when writers are writing for specific beats and they might worry that, you know, if they're not getting the amount of page views uh, that other writers are getting covering science, then they might be getting negative performance evaluations. We wanted to come at it with an approach that we wanted to measure the content for what it was meant to be and do. So I think in working with Aaron, this aligned with his idea of you know, trying to be smarter with the data collection so we could really open ourselves up to ask those questions from a strategic standpoint. And as Aaron mentioned in our presentation, create a true measurement plan. So we got away from the marketing of the content and got more into what are we actually trying to measure once a user is here interacting with our news content from the Gazette. So I'm super interested to talk a little bit about um, how you were able then to internally tee up this project so that to your point, it wasn't like, okay, we we need to be better tracking how well you're performing um, and really putting, you know, you on the line, writer, content creator, videographer, whomever. Talk to me about how you positioned, we're going to open up this opportunity to, you know, start to gather data that will help us inform 
you know, not only how content that we have been creating is working, but what kinds of content we should be creating to serve user needs. Tell me how you opened that conversation up and then about how you went about kind of analyzing, you know, current state and, and what problems needed to be solved. And I want you to do it all in 30 seconds. Okay, that's not true. <laughs> Can I, uh, I'll, I'll tee it off and Aaron hand it to you. So I think um, from our point of view, there was just a lack of awareness of what potentially could be measured for mm. the website itself um, mm -hmm. from the team. You know, if they wanted to measure how long people spent on the site, we were sort of unpacking that and saying like, what are you really trying to understand? Because time on site is just a calculation. Um, but we can try to measure whatever you actually want to get at. Um, so I think it was important to start there and ask the question one level beyond what they were trying to um, to get at. So you weren't just delivering a, an Excel sheet with that metric. You were actually trying to ask those questions up front. And I think to follow up with that, those early conversations were a little bit tricky. We lacked a shared vocabulary about metrics and data points. I think there was a suspicion towards data in general, which we had to come you know, that's, that was a challenge. Um, and that really, it showed itself in really weird ways too. It's not that they didn't believe me when I told them a story had X number of page views or whatever. It was more when we started to get into data decision-making, that's where people got really suspicious. Well, it's like, well, we need to A-B test, you know, the subject line of this email. So write two subject lines and the computer or whatever, the algorithm will pick the one that's performing better. And they just did not want to do that at all. <laughs> We had, a, we had to start back over and say, you know, like Mike said, what data points will help you make decisions? We stopped using uh, language like we want to be data driven and started using language that was more we want to be data informed. Mm. And I think if, when, we, when you give the power back to the content creators, you know, we weren't really looking to optimize everything. You know, it was more like, hey, we're just we're going to try to surface this data for you. You tell us what you want to know. So tell me a little bit about what do you think that they were afraid of? Like you said that they were suspicious and afraid. And, and the reason I want to talk a little bit more about the people side of it and not just tell me what you're measuring, tell me what was included in the, in the uh, dashboard, which we'll get to, but that I think that anytime, anytime change is introduced, you know, even if it is, this is going to help you do your job better, or this is going to help um, you know, the, as a whole, the, the content or the product that we're putting out be stronger and better and that people are just, they're so, um, I don't want to use the word precious because that's, that's demeaning, but, but, you know, they're really territorial about it or they're emotional about it. And they're just like, this is, you don't understand my audience. You don't understand, you know, why I'm creating this content. I need you to just get out of my way so that I can do my work. I think that part of the answer there is that, there was little understanding of what data could do for them. Mm. And, and I think that I had, uh, on the other side, I had some ethos building to do myself. So I was a new, you know, my position was pretty new. They sort of refactored it to be this analytics lead. You know, my first three months here, they called me the data guy. Um, now I think they call me that lovingly. But at first, <laughs> there was a suspicion of like, well, we're, in, we're a comms office. And what are you doing here? What can you tell us? And, and there's also this suspicion of like, so what? You give me all of this data re regarding the things I've produced, what am I supposed to do with it? And I think that's an initial reaction based on not seeing it. So I, 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 just, I think all of that was very justified. And in my own ethos building, I had to start by saying, well, look, you know, I have a background in writing too. I have an undergraduate degree in journalism and a graduate degree in technical writing. I was like, I'm a writer too. 
And so when I talk about metrics, I, you know, and so I went down that path with the writing and editorial staff, and I think that sort of helped. And then we, we started to produce sample reports. You know, we started to introduce metrics that we hadn't collected before, like scroll depth, and we fixed time on page to be engaged time on page. And I think that that's when we started, you know, little by little through separate conversations, we started to show look, this is, what, this is what we're actually talking about. We're not talking about something that's going to, to change who you are or what you write about. We're just going to give you data that tells you what you can now expect. And I think also understanding from the team where they assumed that data would create some difficult conversations, um, especially the, what we call it the democratization of data, but sort of visibility of data everywhere. Um, there is, we're working in an environment where we were sending out reports to sort of curated lists of people so they could make decisions, strategic decisions on what to tackle next. Uh, but if we were going to start sharing that out widely to everyone, then, you know, not only with us, but with their managers, with their um, other content creators, we'd have to have these sticky conversations on, you know, why did this do this or why did this perform this way? I think it also opened up some questions around the marketing of content that we had too, since those teams were aligned, you know, questions like why wasn't this featured on the homepage? Why didn't this go on an email? What did we do with social media on this? So um, the content writers were now more interested in marketing than they were ever before. So I think that's where some of the early conversations we wanted to try, just try to get some um, visibility to that and be very mindful of that when we started even down to like the UI design of the dashboard and trying to not be um, value driven on sort of these metrics, but just informative. Um, so it was really trying to understand where these pain points were early in the process and not looking at the dashboard, how to use it, but more of the interactions that we create between staff members as we opened up the data to everyone. You know, I think that that's fantastic because I think a lot of, you know, a conversation I have a lot with clients is they want to know, how do we know if we're measuring the right things? And a lot of times what happens is they'll show me these reports and it is, it's just numbers upon numbers upon numbers versus these are, this is information around which we're going to have a conversation. Like it's not the number, the number is input to the larger conversation, the decision-making process. And it's not necessarily seen as that. It's seen as just like this thing that is, you know, either, either it was good or it was bad. And that's what you're finding. Totally. I totally agree. That's what we were facing too. Well, so, okay. So tell me about the thing. What, tell me about, tell me about scoop. Well, what do you want to know? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know everything. I know. Start at so, the beginning. Can yeah. I start with the name, actually, where yeah, we came up with the name? Because I didn't get to tell the story. So um, very quickly, we we're trying to think of a name for this, uh, especially because we wanted it to be memorable. We didn't want it to just be another dashboard. And, and Aaron was very smart early where he said everything should just be called this thing, even if it's not the thing, but every data point, every, everything that we share up. So Scoop comes from the idea of it being focused on journalism. Um, so the idea of like getting the scoop or what's the scoop but also sort of scooping for data and looking for broader insights. But then I come to find out that the managing editor of the Gazette, her nickname, and I believe high school was Scoop. So we found this out after we came up with the name and she loved it. So as soon as I heard, heard that, I said, we got to go with Scoop as the name for this thing. That is good stuff. And then, of course, we were just like, we named it after you. Every day. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> this is all you. Right. Exactly. That's awesome. So, okay, so you decided then, you've got data all over the place, you want to start making it contextual, you want to start using it to make better decisions, you don't want it to just be like a report back on what's happening. 
talk to me about what, what happened next. Well, what, the way we sort of started thinking about it was we wanted to, to find a way to stitch together data points in order to tell a cohesive story about performance. So if you write a story and then that story goes into our, our daily email, we send an email to almost 300,000 people every uh, weekday. We also, you know, might feature that same story um, or parts of it in our Facebook feed. You know, we have 5 million followers on Facebook. So like all of these like distribution points, you know, funnel traffic back to um, the story. And so we wanted to see if there was a way that we could, you know, take data from these different systems like Facebook and our email service provider. And then we're, we're using Google Analytics on the news site itself. We wanted to stitch those um, together. Um, so I just, that's how I started approaching the idea was to just see if I could marry up the tables of data, uh, you know, with a unique identifier, in this case, the URL. Mike, you want to add to that? Yeah, sure. So um, the other person that's, uh, I would say, like a third, a third, a third into the creation of this is our uh, development partner, Lynn. So she was key in. Um, helping both me and Aaron in this task of what is this thing going to be and how is it going to perform. So we knew we had data sources. We knew we needed tables to put them in. Um, and then we all kind of decided as a group after a whiteboarding session, the three of us, to say, you know, we all know WordPress pretty well. Let WordPress has a front end and a back end database. Let's just start putting stuff into WordPress to see if we could match uh, posts in WordPress with posts as they were published in the Gazette website, which is also on WordPress. So I think we just very quickly wanted to get to some sort of MVP or minimum viable product of a dashboard or a report. And what we slowly discovered is that we could work and iterate very quickly and try things in this to show people what data we could get at each story whether that was you know, listing out the top stories of the week and the amount of page views and engage time they had, or if it was more granular of sort of the top emails that we had sent over the course of the month and what the open and click rate was. There's never been one place where all of this stuff lived. And on top of that, we've never given the ability for people to actually engage with it. And I think that was key as we used to deliver sort of static flat reports, even if they looked great, that was it. Uh, but in this, we could start to put it in front of them. I still remember giving it to the two editors, the first version we had, and just seeing how they interacted with it and what they wanted next. Sort of, they would just give us a, oh, it'd be cool if, wouldn't it be great if, and then that became essentially our prioritized backlog for the product. See, that's really interesting to me because I will say one of those kind of eye-opening client sessions I've ever sat in, I was asked to sit in um, where this huge, super expensive analytics uh, company would come in every month and give them this giant readout of how their website was performing, their content marketing was performing. And what I sat and watched for an hour was literally, it was like, we have 8,000 numbers and we're going to put them in a bunch of graphs and we're going to compare them to industry standards. And we're going to like just 
it was literally like a show and tell with different, you know, now here's the same information painted a different way. And now here's the same information in a bar. And it made me crazy because I was just like, none of this is meaningful. None of this is basically like that thumbs up, thumbs down idea around content. Um, so how fantastic that you were able to show this content and then step back and say, okay, how, how is this? What is this meaningful to you? What else would you like to know? What else would help you, you know, make, be more confident in making decisions about what you were going to publish or who you were going to deliver deliver it to. So how great that you were kind of able to do on the spot user research with the people you were delivering this data to. And I think you have to, the, the lesson we learned quickly is you have to get your hands dirty early. You can't sort of step back and take six months to develop this beautiful new thing that you'll reveal because you have to have, what I've learned is you have to have many moments to reveal things for it to like click for someone, where if you reveal the thing, that's your one shot. And if they're not using it, then they'll never go back to it. But it just felt like Scoop became sort of this new member of the family for us as we would start building things. And, and Aaron was even sort of releasing sort of mini updates along the way each month or two that he would have a new thing added, like, a, you know, the mobile breakdown or um, cohort breakdown in audiences and the email. Like all of a sudden people would perk up and say, oh, I've always wanted that. That's so cool. I'm going to use that all the time now. So I became a living, breathing thing. It wasn't just a flat report. And how, where, who was collecting the data? I mean, where, you said it was data points coming from a bunch of different places. It was, you had WordPress analytics. Mm -hmm. What else were you pulling in? So we've got, um, you know, data from the story itself in Google Analytics. And then um, if it's distributed in an email, we've got email mailing by mailing analytics. So how many opens did the mailing get? And then how many clicks did each story get in the mailing? We've got similar stats from if something's shared on Facebook, you know, reach, engaged reach, impressions and likes and uh, reactions and all of that. The, I think the point that, that it was that so what point and, and the how do I use this information that got us thinking about how to do this differently. For one thing, we didn't want to just give everybody, you know, logins to all of these systems and be like, yeah, just go find your own data because that just sounds like a disaster to me. Instead, we wanted to make it um, contextual, and we also um, wanted to benchmark it because the question I was getting asked all the time is, how did this do? And I would reply with a metric, and then they would ask, is that good or bad? And I was <laughs> like, okay, yeah, all right, I got it, I got it. <laughs> I can't just tell you how it did. Right, when you right. ask me, I have to give context on. So that's where Scoop really shines in a way that none of those tools can on their own is that we collect data, and it's, it's just in the way that we, we collect it from Google Analytics. So we know, the, we know when a story is born, we know when it's published, and we have that, that timestamp in, Word, in WordPress. And so we can, we can look at a, a list of stories as they're published, and then ask Google Analytics for data per story based on the date that it's published. And the reason we do that is so that we can set up a benchmark of how many page views every story gets on each day after it's born. So if the story's one day old, we can expect it to have, you know, a couple of hundred page views. If that story is two days old, now we have an average for every story. What do we expect for a story that's two days old? And then so on and so on and so on. So we do this for 30 days. What, what we found when we did an initial discovery was like after two weeks, a story, a typical story, I'll say, is going to get about as much traffic as it's ever going to get. We run a fast-paced news organization. We publish 70 to 80 stories a month. 
you know, once it's out there, you know, it has this like two week lifespan and then there's this long tail. So we just wanted to build a system to show that, like what's, how, what was the, the makeup of this traffic for that initial period after being published? Did more people come from the email or from social or direct, or was there a spike in referral traffic because the story got picked up somewhere? All of these interesting like tidbits about how the story's life starts to come alive when you sort of look at traffic, web traffic through the lens of distribution. If I could just... Um add to that because I think that's a really good point and also just to add to where this fit where scoop fit within our whole sort of measurement practice we we looked at scoop not trying to solve for google analytics and not also trying to solve for a real time tool because we were using both of those so where google analytics provided this huge library of where we could dig and slice and find you know advanced segmentation down to you know a granular level and say oh what happened here um, also, we weren't trying to do what the real-time tools like Chartbeat or Parsley were doing, which is what's happening right now on the website, because we have both of those needs. Where this fit is somewhere in the middle is how did this do? Um, so answering that question that Aaron said, this is what we got all the time, and if we could automate that, we could free ourselves up to do more of the data digging and, and making the tool be more useful to, to the users. So in this context, then, you are largely measuring readership and engagement and shares and so on, correct? Because it's a because it's a uh, journalism. It's 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 a publication like a magazine, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this: Are there? Let's say that I am I'm I'm on a team that is measuring uh, interaction with website content, for example, or on a team that is uh, measuring whether or not people can follow instructions on. Um, you know, like a mobile app or so on. Is it not just talking about like the editorial product, but tell me, or, or like the editorial dashboard product scoop, tell me how would you encourage those folks to start thinking about which metrics matter? When I talk about content engagement, I usually try to solicit um, feedback about a person's fit within a department in an organization. So speaking about higher ed, because that's, you know, my bag. <laughs> It's like there's content strategy goals all over the place in higher education because most institutions are trying to do a few key themes. So let's just take a, a generic example like recruiting and retaining students for admission. So, you, you know, institutions always want that to happen and that goal gets parsed down to an individual department. So let's say, you, you know, you work in the history department and you want more history majors. So, you know, the content strategy angle for that is, well, we need to write content that's engaging, but also like has a certain call to action, you know, let, like, please register for our program. So I try to connect dots from the very top all the way down into, okay, so supposedly you're writing content that's going to, you know, encourage people to apply. We've got to find a behavior metric. We've got to find some sort of user action that'll help us determine whether or not that happens. This is not always one-to-one. -one. It's not always very easy. But if there's ever a moment or a place or an interactive element that helps you say, yep, we got another one, that's your conversion metric. That's your conversion point. And the things that lead up to that form a measurement stream, if you will, of data that you need to benchmark on the one hand, what is typical, and so that's what we say when we, that's what we mean when we say benchmarking. We need to look for what's typical, 
And then the other thing I usually tell people, and I think Mike and I would do this in tandem, we encourage people to try new things. So measurement is really nothing without experimentation. You've got to be, be able to see where the data lies and then ask yourself, what can I do to change this? So you gotta try new things. You gotta embrace Miss Frizzle's magic school bus rules. You know, you gotta get in there, make mistakes, get creative and get messy and uh, try new things with your content and see what that, where that takes the numbers. And if they take them in a direction you don't want them to go, then try something completely different and see if they go into a direction you do want them to go. So then with, with um, our public affairs team uh, and being a news org, you know, we're, not, we're not specifically trying to drive registrations, uh, butts in seats for events, donors. It's kind of a, a general awareness sentiment toward Harvard overall reach to specific cohorts. So what we try to identify is the things like scroll depth and read time, because we understood that that would tell us a bit more about the readers coming there and did they get what they um, were promised and did they enjoy it. We also measured recirculation. Um, so not only are they reading this story, but are there other stories of interest for them? Um, we also took a lot of time to pair up marketing channels with the engagement to help identify if we're promoting these types of stories on social media, does that align with the interests of that type of audience versus others? So we were really trying to find the metrics on our site to align with what Aaron said, which is sort of the ultimate user outcome, but then also upstream that and say, are we doing the right things to bring the right people in to perform these actions as well? So it wasn't always an easy path. We didn't have a cut and dry calculation, but as we started adding more and more of these types of metrics to the dashboard, we started exposing questions from the writers saying, you know, I wonder if adding more photos to a story would ever, you know, get people to spend more time or have a better experience. And then we said, great, we can figure out how to measure that. Yeah, you know, I think that is, that is probably my biggest takeaway from this conversation is that an amazing, awesome metrics da dashboard isn't going to be amazing or awesome or useful if you're not, if you don't remain in constant conversation with the people who, you know, are actually looking at understanding the metrics, asking things that would help them basically in, do their jobs better. Um, and that just seemed, that seems to have been such a huge part in the success of building out Scoop. Yeah, totally. And I think um, a lot of cases, you know, people are also asking questions along the way and you start to realize there's these shared stories or anecdotes that are out there that um, you don't know where they came from. And then you find out they did come from data. Um, so I think in showing them more data, you start to have these conversations and, and question sort of assumptions or question these things that have been long held beliefs within a department. And you could start to just show them performance and that totally changes the conversation into like, how do we improve that rather than like, I'm, you know, not agreeing with that. <laughs> right. And, you know, I, one of the things that we saw in the feedback to your talk, a lot of people were like, where can I get this? When is this going to be open source? What, this is amazing and I want it. And, and, you know, Aaron, you and I were talking before we started recording, um, just sort of like, well, this was something that we, that you guys built out for a very specific need within Harvard. But, my perspective is that in any organization, really higher ed or otherwise, there are so many common questions and pain points and stories, you know, around content that really are just not that different organization to organization. And so I, it's not surprising to me that people in the audience were just like, where do I get me some of that? Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, the, the thing I want to 
I don't want to say that you can't have it because we're pretty open with like, there's nothing special about this code base except that it's just really specific to us. And we, and my apology of to everyone is that, you know, when we built this, we just built it for us. We didn't think about building it to be open source. So that's just going to take a minute. I think we'll get there. I think we'll, we'll have something uh, one day for people to download and use, but it's, it's got to solve a, a more broad problem question than what we the, what we specifically implemented here and I think well, that the you know the nature of the questioning is actually where I like to take people people are like I want it where can where can I get it and the answer is you can do all of this on your own with like pre-existing tools it takes some number crunching but the whole point of scoop is just to set a, a baseline of it for expectations even if you had to do that by hand by just generally looking at some you know something even after it's been published for a few days, just you know, making mental notes of, oh, you know, this is what I can expect from my own work after a certain period of time. Like it doesn't necessarily take the technology that we've built to automate that. You know, you can do a lot of that stuff just by your own notation. Yeah, and I certainly don't think that I, I don't, you know, we didn't ask you guys to speak on this topic because we were just like, and then someday they'll sell it and everyone will have it. It really, the, what, I mean, the point is exactly what you just described, which is we were really, I, th- I think that the majority of the audience was way more interested in the process of how did you identify the need? Where were your sources for the data? How did you make decisions about what to include? And how did the thing evolve? And, you know, this idea of ongoing experimentation constant iteration, being in, you know, direct face-to-face conversations with the people who were getting the data and using the data. That is, that's the story of Scoop. We also, I, I mean, we in the early stages looked far and wide to see if there was a, a turnkey solution that could do a lot of this for us. And there really just wasn't. Um, it sort of, you know, became this, you know, what if we just tried this thing? And what if we added this? So we kept, you know, sort of attaching pieces to Mr. Potato had to say like, oh, I think it's looking good now. And then we added one more and one more. And it got to a point, I think about a year and a half, two years in where we started realizing, wait, like people are asking us about this. Like people, like we had deans from other departments telling their comms teams to build what our department built for them. So that's when we started really realizing, wait, this is at a different tier than just starting by, you know, up, you know, automating some of the numbers collection. It became more of a product that we really needed to think about how would this thing scale beyond the people within our own department, but how would it scale across Harvard? How would it scale, you know, beyond that? And I know Aaron spent a lot of time thinking through that as he got into sort of that next phase. Well, and ultimately, I think that this story can and should be really empowering for content strategists and uh, analytics folks that yeah, you know, there there might not be a turnkey solution out there, free or super expensive, and that it is likely that, you, you know, you clearly are learning along the way. I mean, you didn't go to school for this stuff. None of us went to school for this stuff. So there is no reason that people can't go out and start asking these questions and trying new stuff. So it's inspiring. It's smart. It's amazing. You guys are terrific. And I really very much appreciate your being able to come and speak at Confab this year and for taking the time to be my guest on the Content Strategy Podcast. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for everything you do too. You're awesome. (laughs) I remain your biggest (laughs) fanboy. I paid them $20 each to say that. (laughs) You've been listening to the Content Strategy Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Halverson. 
This podcast is brought to you by contentstrategy.com and Brain Traffic, a content strategy consultancy. Find out more about Brain Traffic at, of course, braintraffic.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.